Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Understanding prayer. When we go through this, you probably get to understand a couple of things. Um, I, I am also letting you know that, see, there are things that God has revealed, God is teaching me also in prayers that you, you may not, um, that, so what I'm just saying, it is a journey, a continuous journey. See, in the body of Christ is important that teaching is held at a understanding and growth of people it should be paramount in any church. It should be paramount in any church. See, there are some things we may do and it may look like it is, it is good. But as God begins to give us understanding, you would rather not do them. I'll give you an example. You can deliver somebody from a demonic oppression or whatever the case may be. But at times it is better, and I'm going to show you from scriptures, it is better to leave that person that way if you have no plan for them. Does this make sense? Jesus said, If you cast out a demon from somebody and there is no development to feed them to live a holy life, you have only given license to that demon to come back and get 10 more in. So at times when we are doing all these things, as in, see, at times what the devil is doing is negotiating. You can not even demons. You can be talking about different things and the person will be free from that thing, whatever the case may be. But what the devil has actually done is played a smart one on you because you have no understanding of what the scripture says. Does this make sense? So, in Jesus' understanding, you might as well just leave them. Because what will not happen is that 10 of them will come, come in, not only 10 alone, but at times they will now, some of them, will, the devil will always, because at times as you deal with higher levels, you discover that they begin, the one thing they increase on is deception. So for you, there are some things that you would see, you will not understand the activity of, 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 of a demonic because to you it's just normal. I.e., I'm not saying it's all times, please don't get me wrong. But at times there could be something behind it. Somebody's just lying. You think it is not normal because, and that is why the church needs to, the, the body of Christ needs to, we need to, you know, God grant us grace in Jesus' name. Let's start from here, Matthew chapter 20. Now, Jesus said, What to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel the land and sea to win one soul or um, Prostelites, but if you read another version, it will tell you, you go to one, and when you have won them, 
you end up making them twice as much the son of hell. So what he's saying is that at times there are some things that you don't necessarily, because it, it is, there is no point in it. We may be excited that God is delivering people, but what has actually happened is that we, the devil has actually stepped back. People have been delivered, but you have only just given him a license according to the words of Jesus to come in with him because there is no room for spiritual, when I mean spiritual, I think development in the things of God, in holiness, teaching them about what it is, it means to live a Christian life. And Jesus warned about this, which scared me when I heard it. Luke chapter 11, verse 35. He said, Luke eleven thirty-five. He said, therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. It did not say that your light will turn to darkness. He said the light that you think you are carrying is actually darkness. How would a person be carrying light and not know that what they are carrying, what they call light, is actually darkness? May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus. So, see, there are times when those who go, see, as we keep, keep on growing, there are certain things that you just, see, you rather just Put your hands just because there is no point. You you are opening up people to danger. You are opening up people to danger. Because there is no desire to see them know who Jesus is at all. May God grant us understanding in Jesus' name. Now, when we look at Luke 11, 1, we're, we're getting, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because so that we begin to understand why, why before we go to the altar of prayer, there has to be some level of understanding of what is going on. Luke 11, verse 1, sorry. He said, now he came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, he ceased. After, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Please, I want you to recognize one thing. These men are Jews. What does that mean? They know how to pray. But there was something that they discovered that they struggled with. Can I also make a statement to you? And when I read this, I was like, God, please help me. Do you know that if they never asked Jesus, teach us to pray, he will never teach them. They will be seeing him praying. And so, see, there are some parts that if you are not personally, get to a point and say, God, I need to understand X, Y, Z. God will never bother you to know 
So they said, see, and they were saying, see, what we are saying is that this is the way John the Baptist taught his, 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 his own children. So we are asking that you would teach us how to pray. Now, when you look at the next time, you would see that now these are Jews. I'm just trying to make you understand that Jews are not, see, the prayer life of a Jew, a proper Jewish man, they don't joke with it. But yet, even at the peak of observing this prayer life, they had to come to you, excuse me, sir, please, we need you to teach us. God grant us grace in Jesus' name. Matthew, please. Now, Jesus began to teach about certain things in the scriptures when he was talking about prayer. In fact, Jesus did not neither talk about how well either you are, he wasn't talking about the demonstration in prayer. It wasn't, it wasn't, that was not his bone of contention. But the bone of contention is that you understand how it goes. Now, when you say the same story, the Bible says that Jesus said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites who pray standing in the synagogue corner and, and in the corners of the street that they may be seen. Please see, there are so many things that as God begins to show us, so many things begin, you begin to understand certain things. I'm not saying that we do it. But there are people, when they are praying, you know, you shake your head. Or you, you, you know, you demonstrate in such a way. Some may call it a way to encourage others to pray. Have you ever heard it before? That, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm praying hard. And some people will be praying in order for people to know that when that person is praying, you are hearing it. Everyone is hearing I don't know if you ever walked across those kind of people. I am not saying. Now, Jesus is not saying, don't pray aloud. What he's saying is that the intention within their mind, before he went to discover, to talk about the Lord's Prayer, he first of all started dealing with the issue of hypocrisy in prayer. Where you are praying only to kind of, you know, to kind of be felt. People know that this person is praying. People know that this person is praying. And I think that, well, that's what Jesus was saying. He said, do not be, he said, if the Bible says that they love. The Bible says, he says, Jesus said that they love to pray standing in the synagogue corners. And sorry, and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen. I am not saying don't pray that people will see you at times, but I, but what Jesus that's not what Jesus was talking about. That's why he used the word hypocrite. What he's saying is that what they are doing, their intention is totally different from what they are doing. Does this make sense? 
And Jesus was saying, it is important that you don't, he said, because they have already received their reward. He said, but you, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And your father who sees you in the secret. Now, did Jesus not pray in public? So why is he saying that you should shut, you should go into your room? He wasn't talking about location. He was basically saying that do it in such a way that you are not careful of those that are around you. You are not acting for somebody. That's why he said, go into your room so that the God that can see you in your secret, in your heart, will give response to you. That was why when, so he had nothing to do with that you have to sit inside your room alone to pray. What he was addressing was the issue of hypocrisy. May God grant us grace in Jesus' name. Just want to quickly rush a couple of these because as I go into some other aspects. Then he said, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions like the heathens. Some people have interpreted that prayer point to mean that you should not pray a prayer twice. Because when you are repeating prayer, because that's what the Bible says. Now, you need to understand, let me first, first of all show you a scripture. Matthew chapter 26. Go on, please, yes. The, this is Jesus praying. The Bible says, so he left them and he went again and he prayed the third time, saying the same thing. This is the Bible recording the prayer of Jesus. He said when he went to pray, he prayed the same thing. So what was Jesus talking about when he said repetition? Does this make sense? Because to you, to us, to, if you look at it at the surface, it is contradicting. See, that is why it is important that, and I encourage us that you would see, it is important that we would do what the scripture is saying about, about scriptures. The Bible says that you should let, you should prove. He said, he said give yourself to the word of God so that you may prove what is acceptable before God. At times what we do is confirm with God's word. But the Bible never said confirm with my word. He said, let my word prove what you are doing. How does that, what does that mean? At times when I'm reading the Bible, or when I feel that a word came to my mind, it happened to me this morning. A scripture came to mind. And I was reading it. And I said, wait a minute. Or how does this sit with that other scripture? Does that make sense? How does this sit with that other scripture? Okay, but why is this? Uh, why is this? How do I put it now? Why, are they, why do they appear contradicting? See, that is, that is the way you can be secured in hearing God. 
That is the way you prove. You put that thing to test. What it means is that, see, the, no scripture, no whatever what God tells you, he cannot, he cannot violate his word. I was saying something, was it last week or, or two weeks ago? I was saying to, I don't know if I mentioned that, so I was talk, talking to Anna anyway. And as God was laying a couple of things in my mind, which is like what we call Rema and what we call Logos. Does that, do you get what I'm trying to say? I don't know if you, sorry, some of us went up. Now, what it's called Rema is the word of God that you get active. But what people don't understand is that whatever you call Rema has to be backed up by Logos. Has to be backed up by the Logos of God's word. What is Logos? Logos is like the general word. So, you cannot pick up what is called Rema. If you pick up Rema and you run away with it, you will run into the bush. Like, I, I read that, okay, let me give you an example. You are reading a scripture and the Bible talks about the fact that somebody sacrificed everything and immediately you felt that God was leading you to sacrifice whatever it is, your salary, whatever it is. But that principle is backed up by the general principle of God which is given. Does that make sense? So you cannot, and that is the, the, the fear in our generation, you cannot pick Rema and run with it without a backing logos. The logos has to back it. The scripture does not work that way. That's why somebody can I just received a word from God. What happened? You see, he said I should, he said I should, um, uh, you know, um, um, the Gentiles' um, offerings is, is mine. You now emptied your, your office bank account. It is Logos. So it is Rema. <laughs> see, it, is, it may sound funny, but I get See, that is, I'm just, I just, I'm just trying to look at, that is why people run with, and they will be telling you, I had God, you did. See, that is why the word has to be proven. There are things that I hear at times, and I take note of it, and when I can see that when I'm testing it against certain scripture, it is not, it is not making sense. I put it to one side. There was a day when I went to preach, so I went to go and preach somewhere, and I was, as God was pouring in my mind, and when I, was, when I was testing one particular statement with different scripture, I was like, it sits here, but it doesn't agree with that. You know what? Put it to one side. I took it out of my notes because that word has not been tested. May God grant us grace in Jesus' name. So Jesus was saying here that, now what was Jesus talking about? See, there are some prayers in those days, that was what the, um, when you read Eli about Elijah and, um, Elijah and the, what they call them? The prophets of Baal. They had the formula. It was a formulated prayer. That's what Jesus was talking about. They, they had a formula of the way they pray. This is how you say it. Hallelujah. Have you come up across formulated prayers? When you want to do this, you call this name seven times. 
until then you do this and you do that. Written pattern of prayer. As you see, they are just repeating the same thing. There is no, they, it doesn't, it is, it is a prayer, that's what the Bible calls the prayers of hiddens. They just, you know, that is just, that is why when um, the apostles were, sorry, when um, uh, Elijah was saying to them, he said they had a pattern of how they call on their God. It was, it was a set pattern already. May God help us all in Jesus' name. See, it is important that we, when we are dealing with the devil, you are sure what the devil is looking for. Most Christians have no clue what the devil is looking for. So what will happen is, I don't know if you, there's a slide up there that has two cars there. Okay, amen. I just watched the review of, I saw one useless 70-year-old boy that was bagging about uh, buying a, um, a Jaguar, um, Oh, sorry, Rose Royce Phantom. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Now, this car, if, assuming this is your car, and somebody says, I need that car. You say, no, 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 no. I love that car. That car makes me feel good. It is my car. You can never take it. And the person begins to fight you over that car. You enter battle with that person. You take them to court. And when that person now says, you know what? Okay, let me have this car, which is like 40,000 or 50,000 pounds. I don't know how much it is. I think it's around that price from what I could gather. I will give you this machine. This is 400,000 minimum, basic, without add-ons on it. You would think that because my understanding is that what the battle is, is about cars, I'll be ready to forsake this to get this. When a Christian does not know what the devil is after, and Jesus clearly says it, he said, what will you give in exchange for your soul? So, the devil will not mind and please, there is nothing wrong in that. Is that me raising up a ministry and healing people, setting people free, as long as they are not going to heaven. The devil doesn't really mind. Because it is not your money that he needs. He's actually trying to frustrate you so that you can forgo God and you can end up in hell. It's as simple as that. But when you don't understand what he's after, you think that because I have casted out 50, I have raised people from the chair, which is, which is wonderful. Jesus told us about that. But I have not taken time to make sure that they are truly, they've truly given their life to Christ. And they go raise up and they go. The devil will say, you beat me, but it's not a problem. I have gotten the major good. The devil doesn't care if you, if you, if you, if, if you are sick or you are, it doesn't matter to him. What matters to him is that at the end of the day, 
that soul is lost to hell. So when a Christian doesn't understand what the devil is looking for, you would think that at the, when, once I can live an healthy life, once I can make money, once my life, my, my family is at peace, I have won the devil. You have not. That's what Jesus was talking about when Jesus was saying, what would a man, why do people value, see, there is not, don't get me wrong, there is nothing bad in healing, there is nothing bad in, um, in, in prosperity, but if it's going to be at the expense of your soul, one of my guys was saying, he said, he said, those that preached the gospel to us that came to Africa, he said they did not have knowledge about divine healing. And so some of them died in Africa. Malaria and the rest. He said, but you can guarantee they're going to heaven. He said, but we now have a ministry of teaching people principles of divine health, which is not bad, but we have not guaranteed that they're going to heaven. I heard it again this week. I've heard it from uh, those who know Badari. Badari said, God told him at the time, God said, see, all these people, you are opening eyes, you are doing this, you are giving them the word of God, and there is a prophecy and things like that. None of them is going to heaven, no. So you have just failed. You just wasted your time. When Babadeboy was saying that, he said, I don't know, there was one, um, um, what's it called, um, one Holy Ghost service. And he said that, Baba said that he, he got out and he went to, pre he was about to go out to preach and Holy Ghost is about 20 million people. And God was saying to him, he said, if I come now, he said, those that will follow me to heaven, those that will follow me, they will not be more than maybe like 3,000 or whatever it is. I can't remember the numbers then, I think it's like that. Baba couldn't go out. Why? If you are truly a man of God, it's a waste of time. That's what it, that's, it's a waste of time. That doesn't mean that you will not see people who will, who will be healed. That doesn't mean that you will not see people who God will speak to. Yes, but the, the soul is not there. Papa said, I counted all the senior pastors in that place. There are more than 3,000. So, Papa had to come out that day. Apparently, according to him, he was weeping on the pulpit. Because it's a waste of time. There's nothing there. And at times, but that is what we major on. You have gatherings of people and there is no concern about where, if eternity were to call today, where are they going to head up? May God grant us grace in Jesus' name. So, assuming you had something in your boots, which is the salvation of your soul, but because that is not valuable, what is most valuable is this. The devil will say, don't worry, you can defeat me in court. I will pay you this, but give me that. Because to you, what you have given away is just something that you, you think you would not need. God grant us grace in Jesus' name. We're talking about prayer. We're getting there. Romans. Sorry, eight. Can I ask you a question? How many of us who came to church today, or you've been praying in the year, is there anything in your prayer, anything that you're looking up to God for 
that you don't know. If I ask you what's your prayer point, you know your prayer point. Are we all right on that, on that basis? You know your prayer point. Now, this version is not, I would have loved to have the, the, the I don't know, the Bible says, likewise, the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. And what's he saying? He said, for we do not know what we ought to pray. Now, another version will tell you what we, ha- what we should pray. Does this scripture ever make sense to you that you know your prayer point? But the Bible is saying when it comes to prayer, most of the time you don't know what you know what you want to pray about. Has that ever... Does that... Because at times we just we read them through. Let's pack that to one side. When you go to Ephesians chapter 6, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. On that version will tell you, I think a new King James version, if I can have NIV or something, or I think King James says, all manner of prayers. All manner of prayers. That means there are different types of prayers. Does this make sense? Do, do we have it? There? Is it? Does anybody? Is anybody? Or you say it's all. All kinds of prayer. Under the amplified, we put within that all a bracket of manner of prayers. So that means that there are different types of prayers. If you don't understand what prayer to pray at a time, that is why the Bible says people pray. It's not that they are not praying, but they are praying missing the point. Because there are different types of prayer as prescribed by the scriptures. And at times, because of the way we carry out services at times, we combine everything together. But when you see even the fold, the way we do our prayers, you will discover that there are some prayers you have to pray in the opening prayer. The ones that are selected for those that are supposed to pray in, in the three people's prayer. Why? Because those prayers are pointers to different kinds of prayers. Does this make sense? God grant us grace in Jesus' name. So, you know, we will be looking more and more into the kind of prayer. Some will tell you it is six, some will tell you it is nine. But as prescribed by the scriptures, there are different manner of prayers. I'll be looking at that also as we go. God grant us grace in Jesus' name.
Can I ask you a question as we draw this to a purpose? This is just like a preamble. You, um, okay. I'm just asking, I'm going to ask a question. I don't know what to ask you, but (laughs) okay, okay, Joshua. You love keyboard. Is that, would that be right? Amen. Now, do you love this plastic as it is? Is that what you really love? But why do you like it so much? From what comes out of it? Does that make sense? The reason why people struggle in prayer is because of lack of understanding of what comes out of it. When understanding about what prayer does is not well detailed. See, it is not about, you know you alone. And like I said, I've been on this journey for, for quite some time. And I will post it to you the way I felt God posted it to me. The Bible says to him who is able to do more abundantly that you can think above all, yes, above all that you can think or imagine. Hallelujah. Do we know that scripture? Do you believe in that scripture? You will all believe we are Christians. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the question is that if God answered all your prayer points, if he, was, if he was going to respond to that prayer, that scripture, and do more than you can think or imagine, would you still stand up in the middle of the night to pray? If he does today, all your prayer points, even above that, that you can ever think or imagine. Would you stand up in the middle of the night? Or would you stand up every morning 5 a.m. to seek God's face? Sorry for those who are not done. Early in the morning, will you hear my voice? Question is that. Why would, do do, do you get what I'm trying to say? Is that until you understand what prayer is for, the only thing that will be propelling you to the altar of prayer is your need. So when Jesus says, man always ought to pray, you will not be able to do that. Because as far as your understanding is, or my understanding is, is that prayer is tied to what I can get. So the day God is faithful to his word, and he does more than you can ever think, ever think in your life, so that means that the problem that you have in 19, you have in 2020, 20, uh, 20, 200, whatever it is, God has answered everything. Everything is already in your hands. What is the need for prayers?
I don't know if you have ever thought about that. One thing, I'm just going to point out a couple of things as we take this further. We pray because we are commanded to pray. See, there was a day when I was struggling with something a long time ago and somebody did something that was really, it, was, it really pained me. And I was talking to God, and I was saying, and God was saying, no, my, um, my word says that you even love those who hate you. And I was saying, eh, ah. he said, do you know the problem? He said, the problem you are having is when you see love your neighbor, you think it's an advice. You don't see it as a commandment. Why are you not going to kill? Because you are commanded not to do so. Does this make sense? So, Luke chapter um, 18, verse 1. The Bible says, And he spoke a parable to this way that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So we pray because we are commanded to do so. We pray because we are commanded to do so. Secondly, prayer is the platform for fellowship. And I'll dwell a little bit around that. Prayer is a platform as a Christian to fellowship with God. That's why Jesus said that before you pray, your father knows what you want to pray about. So what he's saying is that prayer, the only thing that prayer does is not only what you want. It is an opportunity for you to develop fellowship with God. And you see that in Luke chapter 9. The Bible says that when Jesus was praying, his face changed and became, um, uh, and his, sorry, and his robe became white and glistening. Then behold, two men began to talk to him, Moses and Elijah. So at times, that's why the Bible says, call on to me, I will answer you. I will show you things you don't know. So the platform of prayer is the platform by which God expresses himself to you. But, and I will get to that to a point now. So, your spirit man is opened up in the place of prayer. That is where God can interact with your spirit. So, when you are standing in the place of prayer, you are not only asking for something, but God is also fellowshipping with you. Is also fellowshipping with you. You are able to deal with, you are able, in the place of prayer, you are able to understand and this, okay, in the place of prayer, one thing that happens is that your spirit man is energized and you are beginning to change. Can I tell you that on the, if your prayer altar is alive, there will be certain things, characters that God will be dealing with on the altar of prayer. 
Because the altar of prayer is the place where you get transformed. It is where your flesh wants to do one thing and your spirit is doing another. Somebody was saying to me that they were praying one day. They had issues with someone and they were praying and praying. And No, I don't think they were praying, but God said to them, God said, I want you to pray for this person. And the person was, you know, the person prayed the prayer. God said, no. What was he saying? Move closer to the altar of prayer. And the person was saying, as, as, as the person got closer to the altar, he said, she could not stop but start crying. Why? Because God was dealing. It is the altar of prayer. It's not the altar of holy getting something. The altar of prayer is the place where God transforms you. Where your spirit man is able to take charge of your body and begin to deal with character issues. Does this make sense? So when Jesus was at Gethsemane, Luke chapter 14, Mark, sorry. The Bible says, he told them, he said, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. Can I ask you a question? What was the temptation that they fell into? They didn't pray. They were sleeping. So Jesus said, if you don't pray, you fall into temptation. What was the temptation? The story of Jesus arrested. What was the temptation that his disciples fell into? Denial, that was after. In, in Gestiman. Yeah, he said, wake up. He said, pray so that you don't fall into temptation. He said, fall into sleep. Fall into temptation. So what was the temptation in that Gestiman? Anger. They were going to deal with, Peter was going to deal with things the way God rejected it. And Jesus was saying, in the place of prayer, you will not have fallen. Peter, you wouldn't have used your sword. Because also Jesus was saying, Father, not my will, but your will. What was happening? At the place of prayer, God was dealing with him. And at the same time, he told Peter and the rest, hey, you better pray or else you will not be able to deal with certain issues in your life. You will attend to things you say, well, it is right. But when you get close to the altar of prayer, you discover God will begin to say, no, what you did may be right to everybody, but before me, you have stood against my will. What Peter did was right. He was defending his, his, his people. Does this make sense? So at the altar of prayer, please, can I say this as I get to this story? is that when you don't visit the altar of prayer frequently, you don't give your spirit the ability to act on what it can perceive is coming. Either to guide against it or to strengthen you to be able to go through it. Does this make sense? An example... Uh, did you hear the story from last week's Sunday? Kobe Bryant. That early morning, 
Kobe Bryant went to church before even the priest got there. I believe his spirit was picking up that something is going, something is wrong. The priest said by the time when, he said the only thing that made him meet him was that they walked through him as he was walking out. He said their service started at 7 a.m. So he must have been there well before 7. What was happening? His spirit was probably picking up something, looking for an expression. The priest said, by the time he left, which they don't normally do in Catholic, so those who have been in Catholic before, he had poured the blessing water on his head. He said, so as he was walking out with his daughter, he said he had the water already on him. He had taken communion himself. Why? Because his spirit was seeking next like this. His spirit was, was seeking expression. It is not necessary to avert it. I don't know. That is left to God. But his spirit may be getting him ready for the journey ahead. The altar of prayer is not only the place where you turn things around. But it's also the place where everyone gives you strength for whatever it is you're about to face. The priest said, one thing that is so paramount to him is that when he comes to church, he, may, he parks outside. Then after the service is about to start, he comes in and sits at the back. Why? Because if he walks into the church, everybody will want to take photograph or whatever it is. So he comes in, he parks somewhere that's um, uh, not visible to anybody. So he comes in and he sits at the back. He said, till the service finishes. Then he goes out. That is his life. So when the time of need came, his spirit was already picking up Throwing signals, something is going on, something is going on, something is going on. And the spirit, it went to the normal place. His spirit has been used to have expression. If your spirit is disturbed today, where would he go? If you have, if your altar of prayer is only about getting, you are not used to saying, God, I am dealing with this issue. You must deal with me here. I feel that if his spirit was not used to draw strength from the altar of prayer, he wouldn't have done that. With all the hypes and the sadness of all the stories, most people miss this. May God grant us understanding in the name of Jesus. And that is what we are saying. When, as blessed as this man is, as rich as he is, he found a meaning of prayer that every other person is looking for an answer for. Because prayer to them 
is only getting things and binding the devil. May God grant us grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Just thought I should just bring that to you. Of course, the altar of prayer is the place where you do intercession and request. Which we will be talking more about. But I just wanted to expand the altar of prayer for you to make you see that there are deeper things on the altar of prayer that God is expecting you to pull from. But time is fast spent. But because we have a couple of time more to go with this, we'll have other people that will be taking different things during the prayer, prayer month. But I want you to know that on this, when we're talking about building the altar of prayer, it is not, see, it is, you, you need to take advantage of it. I'm going to just draw it to a close on this place. Is that I would say, let me put it this way, for my own understanding, let's, let me say that way. They work on the same principle, but because I'm trying to put a demarcation to it so that you can understand what I'm saying. There is a difference between God's covenant and God's promise. Please, I know there might be more Bible scholars. Let me just put it the little way I can. If God says that I will give you a husband, that is a promise and it is backed up by him. But when God enters a covenant with somebody, covenants has the ability to speak and speak again. If God says that you are going to get married, at least you will marry one person at a time. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm trying to say? But when you are talking about covenant, covenant is bigger than just you. Covenant is like a system And when God, I don't know, I would say it that way, but there are covenants by God's grace that God has helped me to enter, and I can tell you where exactly it happened. It doesn't have to be any place spiritual all the time. One, happened, my sister will know, happened at the back of our whole house where we used to, um, where we used to, Hand cloth. At that place, God entered, we entered a covenant concerning my ministry. At that very spot. So, covenants are not just things that you say, ah, God, see, all those things are promises. <laughs> it is not less, but covenant has 
a greater ability. Let me express a covenant to you. God said to Brother Joshua, let's put it that way, that each time you press that keyboard, people that have sickness will be delivered. That is covenant. Why? Because each time he goes on that keyboard. Certain things will, because that keyboard is affecting lives as they come across it. Does that make sense? So, it is different for God saying, I make a covenant with you, or the way we say it. I make a covenant that you, I'll buy you a car. After he bought that car, that is it. <laughs> but the covenant of that keyboard is something that would stand the test of time. Does this make sense? I pray I still go to be long. I just wanted to clarify this. Now, at the back of every covenant lies an altar. For this covenant to be able to speak as loudly as God wants it, it must be backed up by an altar. So when you see Nathaniel Bassi blow the trumpet, why his trumpet is different from every other person? Even though he may know, you may know more music than he does, it's because as he stands, a covenant is standing. But that covenant is backed up by altars of prayer. I'll give you two script, uh, three scriptures and we'll go. Second Samuel. The Bible says that, now, it said, according to all these words, and according to the visions, Nathaniel spoke to David. So this, God established a covenant with David that your children will sit on the throne. Then what did David do in response? Then David went in and sat before the Lord. Because when God enters a covenant with you, concerning anything, you need to build an altar of prayer that makes sure that that covenant is speaking on a regular basis. When Jesus entered a covenant with us, what did he do? The Bible says he gave the blood and the bread. And he said, this is a new covenant. And Hebrews says to us that he took that blood, Hebrews chapter 9, he said he took that blood into the holies of holies. But what did the Bible say after that? That Jesus is standing, making intercession. Can I have the next slide, please? Making the, in Jesus is standing, making intercessions for us. So what is happening is that hey, when that covenant is established, the altar of prayer needs to constantly back it. If God said that you would bless nations, he has entered a covenant with you. But for that covenant to keep speaking, the altar of prayer has to back it up. 
Because when the altar of prayer is missing, that covenant will just be there. It will become less effective. Does this make sense to us? So the question is, are there covenants that God has entered into with you? God said, I will give you a husband. That is a promise. But when you enter marriage, a, a covenant is established. But for that covenant to stand and begin to speak regularly as he ought to speak, an altar needs to back that covenant up. Or else, it will just be a marriage. When this church started, God established a covenant with it. But that covenant needs to be backed up by altars of prayer. Does this make sense to us? So I, I hope that we get to a point where you see prayer is not just God. No, it is, it is far beyond that. Let us rise up, please. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.